started. Um, yeah, man, absolutely. Well, hey, welcome to Tall Tales. This is Jody Sellers and Tim Gonzalez, and we have two incredible special guests with us today. A couple of legends are sitting in the room, and Tim, I'm kind of, uh, I don't know, speechless a little bit, starstruck, humbled. A lot of different things. You should be. You should be. It's a long way to get all the way up here, all the way to the top of downtown Griffin. That's right. In the sky rise. That's right. When people ask, well, where are you guys, uh, you know, where's the studio? Where are you guys recording at? We're in downtown Griffin. That's right. All the way at the the top. That's right. Top of the mark, baby. Take take the elevator all the way to the top. He said, well, what for? Uh, Fifth. Yeah, the fifth <laughs> there's only one more level I can get to, and that's six. Isn't so. that utility though? Like they don't allow nothing up there. Is that yeah, like the presidential storage? <laughs> that's where Griffin Power is. They make all the money. They take all the money and the power and internet, man. I'm They're hiding you. it up there. <laughs> that's it. Welcome Stacks. to Tall Tales Pod <laughs> Podcast, and we do we have two uh, two amazing individuals, but particularly uh, if you're a wrestling fan, you'll be super excited about this. Um, we have with us two icons, two wrestling legends, and for you Georgia boys, uh, you're going to love it too. Um, we have Jody Hamilton and Joseph Hamilton Jr. Yes. And you guys may know them as the Assassin, number one, and Nick Patrick, amongst many other things. Um, and we're very, very lucky to have them here today and call them friends. Hey, thanks uh-huh. for having us. No, we're friends. Yeah, we because friends. because I've been to the house. Okay, well, good, good. And and we had tickets. That's that right. I can't wait to find out uh, more about where we're at, what's next, what we're doing. Um, but we had tickets to the uh, cool. to the show new, that got, got rained out, I the drive-in show. I've got new information for you guys too. Well, well let's hold off. Yeah. yeah, we were hoping about that. Hold yeah. off. Um, but yes, welcome to the podcast. Got Jody and we have the Hamiltons here with us today. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for inviting us. Hey, absolutely. We are so glad to have you guys. Uh, Tim and I have been excited, like I said, I think is an understatement, but um, very honored, though, and humbled, too, to have you guys here and just uh, looking forward to talking and just kind of BSing for a little while and having a good time. It's technically a work day, but I'm taking a break and we're going to do this instead, so I'm excited. <laughs> Tim, get us started, man. Where are we starting off at? Uh, well, how are you guys doing today? I mean, um, we are, it's, I was telling your dad um, as we were waiting for you to park, um, beautiful day. And I feel like I'm getting old because I comment on the weather a lot. Like when it's nice, I just feel the need to tell people like you don't know. It's nice already. Yeah. Beautiful day, ain't it? Yeah, it's a very beautiful day. Uh, got up early this morning, getting ready to get pop cranked up here. And uh, it's, it's excellent to be out. I love this weather, too. This is my favorite time of the year when it's just starting to cool off. And you got to wear, can't wear a jacket yet, but you got to wear a little bit of sleeve, you know. Amen. Yeah, that's my favorite time of the year. And the pollen's down, too. Pollen's crazy. You can't have pollen right now because, um, you know, we're still, I think we're still in a pandemic. Oh, it's, it's still worse. there, yeah. I can't tell if it's getting worse or better or what it is. Depends on what you well, have. Yeah, it's conflicting information you get every day. Does a mask work? Does it not work? You know, jeez. Make their mind up. <laughs> That's it. I just want someone to tell me what to do and then I'll be okay. Yeah. I'll, do, I'll do whatever you want me to do, but tell me one time. And let's not change it eight times. Oh, yeah, it'll change by tomorrow. <laughs> oh, okay. you, yeah, well, keep your mask in your pocket. I'll tell you, just keep it on you because there's yeah. nothing worse. Like we were talking about in the elevator. Oh, you get kicked uh, out? Can't uh, come in? That that walk back. And everybody knows the guy as you're walking in because he's the guy not wearing a mask with the pissed off look on his face yeah. walking back to his truck. That's it. Absolutely. I've been there, too. 
Then get pissed off and aggravated. That's how is that possible? You have your logo on masks. You That's sell right. masks. You have them. I have masks everywhere. I don't know if they're legal or not because, like we were talking about, they booted. Oh yeah. The bandanas, the turtleneck oh, yeah. deal right. with no shirt but just the neck. That's out. That's it. Yeah, man, they're cracking down on that stuff too. So who's hey, cracking it? down? Who? Walmart, Target, Quick Trip. <laughs> it depends the on the usual you go. first. The usual. The Walmart book. police will come get you. <laughs> That's it. Listen, I know it's going to be serious when the buggies get lined back up oh, with the caution God. tape at the front oh, door man. and start yeah. swinging you down a Dollar Tree almost. <laughs> oh. It's coming, man. It's coming. I know, at some point, you'd think they put like some plexiglass on the actual cart that's got to be coming next right that way you have like a shield ah, man if box. i get plexiglass shields on a cart before i can get one that runs right i'm gonna lose my shit that's gonna be the straw that finally breaks it for me <laughs> it almost did when they started cleaning them things oh my god right. you know and i'm like you're gonna stand out here and spray god knows what and keep using this dirty towel okay i don't care because i'm not a scientist i just want it to run right not pulling everything because i'm trying to Anyway, like I said, I'm getting old with my rants, but welcome to the show. Thank you very much. <laughs> We're excited. Hey, and let's do this. We've already kind of been talking all over the place, but let's just jump right into it, man, and get to why we're actually here. Jody, I've got so many questions. I've got so many things I want to know. Um, but I guess, um, and you've probably done this a thousand times, and we don't want to be repetitive. You just wrote a book, Jody. I know. Uh, the book, I can't wait. I'm glad you said that. The book. See, I'm jumping around already. Uh, Jody, I've got to get a copy of this book, and there are two things I have found out. Um, one is I can get a copy of it online from Amazon. It's used, but it's only $125 if I buy it. If I buy it on Amazon at that used free price. shipping, free shipping, yes, because I'm a Prime member. So there you go. The other option apparently is Crowbar Press, which seems more legitimate, and it's only $19.95. Yeah. But I didn't know, and Tim suggested, can we buy straight from the source? Do you have copies? Do you no. sell copies? No, I don't. I, okay. I uh, started out doing that and everything, but with my schedule and everything, it just became a big hassle. And sure. uh, a lot of people got skipped over, not a lot, but a few people got skipped over and everything because of, I'm not a good bookkeeper. And <laughs> 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 uh, so on, but... Uh, no, you can uh, you can also contact uh, Scott Teal. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And uh, contact him directly, and uh, and he'll do it because he's the one that co-authored the book with me. Yes, sir. Fantastic. Well, guys, do that. And make sure you go online and buy that. You can get it at crowbarpress.com. Reach out to Scott Teal. He's on social media as well. It's a fantastic book. Um, it's over three hundred pages long. I mean, it's. Uh, it's just rife with information, materials, photographs, everything. And I'm going to get my hands on a copy, and so I'm going to have mine and eventually get that autographed and add that to a little collection. So, so when you I'm see excited. this face knocking at your door down there <laughs> at, in the Thunderdome, <laughs> get a book. I love it, man. Nothing transforms me into a little kid more. Than wrestling. I, I mean, that's just what it is. That's what it's supposed to do, I think. That's I what think it, so too. To take your mind, you know, we, don't, we shouldn't be out there talking about politics and religion. It's a, it's a chance to to get away from all the things that people are, are really mad about in the world today, and uh, and just have an escape, you know, and get into stories to watch bad guys get do bad things and have good guys come and fix it, straighten it out. It's, you know, it's it's an escape. Absolutely. Simpler times, too. Good, bad, fight. 
Yeah. <laughs> that seems pretty straightforward to me. Oh, man, I love it. I'm just excited. All right, Tim, where we go next, man? Where well, we um... Well, obviously, um, I, I mentioned uh, probably the biggest names that are associated with, with you guys, but I'll start with Senior, uh, obviously out of respect, but um, the, uh, the assassin, Jody and I were talking before you guys got here, but just um, the mask itself, tell us, um, like for us nowadays, I mean, you could just, you know, any wrestling show, independent wrestling show is going to have a guy with a... Uh, a gimmick table of masks. Um, how was it so different then? But like, how did you come across that mask, and how did you decide on the look, the design, and the mask itself to be the assassin? Well, it all started right, uh, you know, downtown Atlanta at the old city auditorium, and he had this man that I'm going to tell you about had teamed with my brother a year or so earlier in the Carolinas, and they had a very successful run as a tag team. His name was Tom Renesto. And Tom and I became the Assassins in one and the Assassins two in our first get-together in, uh, in the ring in Atlanta. The first night we were together, I mean, it was like, whenever I'd tag him in the ring, he knew exactly what I had set up for him to do. And when he tagged me, I knew exactly what he had set up for me to do. And it was like we'd been together for years, you know, and both of us were marveling at, uh, at the, the way the team functioned after the match we were talking and so on, and that's when we knew we had something special. And, uh, of course, we went on for 15 years after that and went everywhere around the world and uh, all over the United States. And... Uh, we, we had a great deal of success and uh, a career that I sincerely enjoyed. And I enjoyed, uh, now I had, a, I had a, a good career after the team, after Tom retired and so on, because Tom was 12 years my senior. And he, he had back problems and so on and so forth. So he retired earlier than, uh, than I was going to retire. So. Uh, after that, we did stay in touch, and he moved uh, to Texas to live with uh, his son, and that's where Tom passed away. He was living down there in Texas, and uh, but we we did keep in touch periodically, and of course we were together for 12, 15 years, uh, just about almost every day, you know. And back then, especially in the Carolinas, your trips were all made by automobile. <laughs> And, I mean, it was a one hell of a trip to, to wrestle in uh, Richmond, Virginia one night and then Charleston, South Carolina the next night, you know. I mean, that's a, that's a as I used to say, that's a fur piece. Yeah, yeah. it ain't no I-75, 80 wide open straightaways if there ain't traffic jams. Well, I back, mean, back then they the didn't have any of the interstates, you know. It was, all, right. it was all just state highways. I remember one time when I was a kid, Back in the day, when Pop would go to Japan and Australia, it's not like now where guys go over there for two or three weeks and right. they're home. They'd go over there for three months of whack. Right. And I remember, I always remember as a kid, he took off and he did a three-month run in Japan, or was it four? Four it, months. It was four in Japan, straight to Australia for four months, back to Japan on the way home for four months, for four more months. He was gone an entire year 
overseas in wow. J- just Japan uh, for a whole year. I mean, my longest run away from home, well, when there were territories, sure. and I didn't have kids yet, I was gone for about six months. Right. But, you know, as far as once WCW started and WWE, I think my longest run was like 19 days. Being right. Away from home. I can imagine a whole entire year. You know? Oh, sure. my goodness. But uh, I remember... <laughs> I remember my mom would drag us down the old airport back in the day. It used to be down on Virginia Avenue, right. and we'd go back there, and we'd go, and you didn't have to go through all the security and stuff. And <laughs> and uh, she'd take us back in there. Here come Pop walking down the down the deal, you know. And that's the first time I ever met Mr. Barnett going to pick Pop up coming back from Japan. I'd uh, I'd seen a lot of the guys, and you know, make you know fun of Mr. Barnett and stuff, right. but he was a great guy to work for, man. He was a good pay payoff guy, and, and he was a straight-up guy. You can believe what he told you. But the first time I ever met him, um, I was just a kid. You know, here comes Pop walking up the, the, the deal, and I think, gosh, who's this little old guy? That's not like Pop just to be talking to somebody, he don't, you know. And they're just talking the whole way up. Like, gosh, who is this guy, you know? And then he walked up, and he introduced everybody. He says, this is Mr. Barnett. And he goes, oh, you have a beautiful family, and he went into this big... <laughs> big spiel, you know. I was like, okay, now I know what everybody's talking about, you know. It's, uh, but he was really a good. How guy. old do you think you were? Oh, I was probably in probably about the fifth grade. I think I was around fifth grade. Yeah. yeah. Okay. My first gig in the business was when he was he'd take me around with him in the summertime. And I think I was in the fifth grade. I ring announced in the fifth grade. Oh wow! I'd go. Awesome. In, yeah, I did. My first time, I was scared to death too. It was like he threw me in the pool. Was, Here, swim, kid. Yeah, I was scared, and I and I still don't. You'd think of all the times that I've been in front of people that I right. wouldn't be scared of public speaking, but sure. but I really am uncomfortable doing public speaking. And man, there I was in the fifth grade with no microphone or nothing. And then this corner, and in this corner. And they said, "Good job, kid. You can do any time you come down. and will let you." We'll, so I'd making ten bucks whenever I went with him. That's a lot. Yeah, yes. man, heck yeah, it was a lot. Bringing out for you nothing. See, yeah, you see what ten kids dozen. recently <laughs> pre-code <laughs> ten bucks. Yeah, but I was rolling. Back the old I was days. rolling, man. I was rolling my ten dollars. That could get you to the next gig. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Let me just quit school, Pop, and go on the road. With yeah, you. yeah, yeah. I mean, I could make ten every yeah. Friday night. I, mean, I, I start rolling. picking up Saturday nights. I mean, damn, there's about twenty-five bucks. <laughs> I have me a mini bike pretty soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's just incredible. Um, so you move from obviously the tag team stuff, Jody, to becoming the assassin and kind of headlining yourself. What was that transition? Like? Well, we, we were the team of the assassins, right? And. The only place that we weren't the assassins is in the Carolinas, because it was quite simple. Tom had been in the Carolinas before me, and ironically enough, he and my brother had teamed up for a, a short period of time. Okay. But Tom was the bolo, ah. the masked bolo. So we wanted to go ahead and capitalize because he was the uh, probably the biggest drawing card, single drawing card that. Uh, has ever been in the Carolinas. Yes, sir. And then when we teamed up, we just went ahead and used the great Bolo and Bolo. And we set we set records in every arena in the, in the that was running in the territory at the time. And that included uh, Virginia and both the Carolinas and and uh, business was just Absolutely fantastic. Uh, 
I'm not trying to brag, I guess I am in a way, but uh, they have never duplicated the business that Tom and I did. And in some of those arenas that, are, that they still run in uh, up until a year or two ago, I guess, uh, they have never broken our attendance record. That's amazing. No, uh, That's incredible. I'm glad you bring it up. Yes, I please. want it to be <laughs> stated for those that maybe don't know or, uh, or for whatever reason, because there's a lot I want to ask you about. Um, even later than the, the singles career as you got into training and, and same for you as you transitioned into training and, and then deep south and where we are today. So I'm glad you bring it up because like you said, there's still shows to this day that are in some venues that go back to when you guys were running shows yeah. in those yeah. days. That's uh, true. Just real iconic landmark venues. And one of the things that I wanted to ask you guys about of being – Georgia boys is uh, some of those around here. Some of those, either they've gone by the wayside or maybe they're right in our nose and, and people don't know it, like Taylor Street Gym. I've, I've heard that there's been some, some, some great matches going way back and some wrestling superstars that's been in this building that um, many people would have never even known that, that, that they've come through here at some point or another. But in the history of wrestling, there's some venues that are still, or were, um, Still running. So that's incredible yeah, that those yeah. records still stand. Well, the uh, Monday night back then was the Bell Auditorium in Augusta. And I don't know if the Bell Auditorium is still standing or not, but... They built a brand new arena right next to it back in the day, and yeah. it was still standing, but it's, it's been so long since I've been to Augusta. It's been, it's been a couple decades, so I don't know if it's still standing, but they did build a brand new arena right next to that one. But the Bell Auditorium was... It was... Uh, it was a great, great building. There wasn't a bad seat in the house, and on most nights they had to open up the curtain on the stage, and they'd put 200 chairs on the stage, to, uh, to seat the people, and then in most cases they're still turning people away at the, at the door because they, there's just no room for them. The fire marshal wouldn't let them in. You know? And Monday night, uh, that was the bell. Tuesday night, uh, we didn't really have a special town on Tuesday night or Wednesday Spot night. shows usually. Thursday night was Athens, and Friday night, of course, was downtown City Auditorium. Uh, in Atlanta, and that was a great, great building for wrestling. There again, there wasn't a bad seat in the house, and on most occasions they had to open the curtains on the stage and put seating on the stage for people to sit and, and so on. And the Saturday nights was what we call spot show night. You know, you might be in Griffin one night, you might be in Athens the next night, you, you never knew. What week uh, for some guys split up, and you guys had sort of your different for whatever reason. Maybe you live more on the south side of Atlanta, so maybe you did a Griffin or Lagrange, even or yeah, back well, it was slightly different when I started in there and and started with Georgia Championship Wrestling on Saturdays. What we would do is we would do our uh, TV tapings at the studios on at 17, and Whoever was on first and early had to take off and fly. I mean, as fast as you could get mm -hmm. down to Columbus because there was a live TV taping, I think at 1 or at 2 o'clock in Columbus. 
So the guys that were on late in Atlanta, they really had to move. You know, sure. we didn't have time to stop and eat or nothing. You know, they had to get down there, and, and it, you know, the show would be half over by the time they got there. But they were on last, so right. Uh, so and then, so we was doing every we was doing two shows, two hours in Atlanta, driving to Columbus, doing a live hour show in Columbus, and then the crew would split, and half of us would come here to Griffin, and the other half would go to Carrollton, and that was every Saturday. So I, where would y'all go in Griffin? In Griffin, there it, it's a it's a machine shop now. It's okay. on 1941, like you're heading toward Barnesville. On the right hand side, there's about four. Right after you get past that real big church, I don't even know the name Wasn't of the church. Wasn't it called the Griffin Sports Auditorium? Sportatorium or something? Sports yeah, but it's a machine shop or something right. now. Yeah. It's just, uh, but uh, that's where we used to go back then. And uh, I didn't even know the Taylor Street Gym was. You know, that was you know, that was probably still. The school gym then I didn't right, know yeah. if they if they ran stuff there or not, but actual wrestling went to the other building out there on 1941. I forgot what they called it, but it's a machine shop. Griffin Sportatorium. Griffin yeah. Sportatorium. Yeah. yeah. The old building down in Columbus was a good old building too. Yeah, it was great. The municipal old auditorium. city auditorium. Yeah. Who would run the show? The spot show when you guys would split off and say you come here to Griffin, like was that an independent promoter? There was, yeah, they, they had different uh, promoters. Maybe just a lower for. level, more. What was the other Ronnie West? The Ronnie West was one guy. There was. They a, generally had somebody that worked in the office uh, handling the shows. Yeah, the shows were promoted out of the office. Okay. Yeah. I was always curious about that. Ronnie West was a guy that ran a lot of the spot shows, and old Charlie Smith. I'm sure y'all have met Charlie Smith. He yeah. refereed some. He ran a lot of spot shows too, but there was always somebody out of the office. He ran a lot of the South Georgia stuff, really. Yeah. Charlie and up in the mountains too. And, uh, so, but he didn't run around Atlanta per se a whole lot. But he Charlie Harbin. The old Charlie Harbin. I remember him. Yeah, Charlie was like a. An old-time overseer. Yeah. And he'd been around the business for years and years and years and years. He had some, he had an age on him, but uh, he used to go to some of the close shots and uh, take care of the shows that night. And uh, he was always always the same mood, uh, you know, in the same temperament. You know, it was always a pleasure to be around Charlie because he was a wealth of information. And he was always the same type of guy, you know, very congenial. Where was he out of? He lived in uh, Atlanta. He lived in Henry County, didn't he? Have a bunch of property in Henry County. Yeah, I know because he sold. He's one. What was his last name again? Harbin. Charlie Harbin. Charlie Harbin. Charlie Harbin. Yeah. yeah, he's older than Pop. H A R B I. He had just been in it for a long time and consultant, wrestler, helped oversee things, keep his. Finger on the pulse. Yeah. yeah. He's the one who sold Tommy Rich's property that he built his house on down in uh, Hampton there for a while. Yeah. He had a big block of property down there. And what would be his influence on, on that Saturday night in Griffin? It was just sort of to make sure that things ran right. Yeah. You know, nobody, just, everybody yeah. did yeah, their job. Yeah, took care of the box office, you know. Yeah, and, handled the money. And everything. Handled, handled the money and uh, and uh, did the checking up on the, on the tickets, made sure that the money... And the ticket sales uh, coincided, and uh, that was that was about it. How would you guys say like um, the 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 fan base? These shows in Griffin. I mean, obviously it was uh, it was a it was a really good area because it was one of the spots guys went mm-hmm. um, and made money. Um, 
how would you say those shows were as far as on, on the level of house shows at that time? Depends on the time, because back then we ran the same shows a lot, and if business was hot, then the towns were hot. You know, and the business, come, you know, it's, it's, it's like every other business. It, it's in cycles. It comes up and it comes down, and, you know, you've got somebody else new has to come in and get hot and bring it back up. So, uh, so they were always there if the business was there. Yeah, yeah, good or bad, they were there. You know, it just would depend on how business was is how, how the towns did. And sometimes there would be a particular little show that you only went to like once a year. So even if business wasn't great, you was only there Scott once a year. Like that now. Um, and and it would do pretty good, you know, because there wasn't a whole lot else, you know, for folks to do it. Sure. So, but the, you know, those were kind of few and far between, especially by the time I got around because, you know, Pop was there for so many years and all those towns, <laughs> all those towns have been run by promoters and by the time I got there, that was cool. To, uh, I used to like checking out different buildings when I started traveling around the country and I think, Okay, Pop worked here in the Superdome. Now I'm having my first match in the Superdome. Yeah. You know, so cool. Stuff like that was really awesome to me. And I yeah. liked going to a lot of the old buildings too, because in the locker rooms, there'd be stuff written all over the walls from <laughs> rock, rock and roll bands and just, you know, from all the different shows that, that you know, presented themselves at that arena. I remember the old, the, what was the Keel Auditorium? Was that the one in St. Louis? There was, Q, yeah, yeah old Key Auditorium in St. Louis. It was like a wall of fame up in the locker rooms. There was every major act you could think of had written stuff on the walls and autographed the walls and stuff. It was like finding a, a cave with, with hieroglyphics or yeah. something, you know, but it, it was really cool. That's funny. That's exactly what I think of sometimes when you when you come across That's that wall. It's it. It's so crazy because uh, I, I mentioned, you know, we're, we're uh, recording in downtown Griffin, but right across the street, there's an old opera house. Yeah. Right. You know, that's a, a century old and it's immaculate and it's crazy. It's this time capsule. Um, if you've ever been lucky enough, and I, I don't know why wrestling's not, where I was going with all this was, you know, we've seen some shows do really well in Griffin, like not long ago. I think yeah. that y'all were... We were at a mutual show, one of these shows, and it was like 800 people or something. It was just yeah. a great show. And then the next one wasn't good at all. Um, but there's this venue, this old opera house that just sits. But it's got one of those walls back there where, like, actors could come through from the 20s oh, yeah. and scribbled on there. Wow. Like, that is somehow, awesome. some way, it's all made it through uh, through the time. Um, that is this awesome. building just sits. Yeah, I've never seen it. I'd love to see it. Nobody's doing nothing. It's just right across the street. Wow. I've wanted to run comedy or wrestling. Um, I don't wrestling shows but like yeah. I just thought of how cool it would be if the right people did it yeah um, I heard there was an old drive-in theater that used to be here in Griffin somewhere back behind the old Ford dealership right, I think yeah. that's uh I thought to myself wow you could crank up that old uh that old drive-in theater and do some outdoor shows if you had a you know with a big screen where you could have some cameras and put up on the big screen what's happening in the ring absolutely people could drive their cars right up and sit in their cars and watch the show and socially distance and you could bring a couple of food trucks out for you know for concessions that'd be that'd be pretty cool absolutely let's bridge a little bit of of um you know what was so good and worked when you guys were out on the road and on TV and um, to to some of the things now and, and the thing I thought of is like the word creative like what is sort of you guys think is either missing or the key to if you're gonna have a wrestling program and storylines like what are we missing here with creative to where you don't have people that you're really just scared of 
or you really just either laugh at or you really just really get behind one way or another. Um, when you're in that position, what do you think uh, on a creative side um, is sort of the key for people that want to, um, or that are doing it, or that aren't seeing it, or they're looking for it? Because you hear a lot of people say that like their creative just isn't any good right now. Or if you notice now, they do it a lot different than they used to. Back when when WWF was WWF, and they were really hot, and it was like. They had special vignettes, and they would develop characters through vignettes and stuff before you'd ever even see them on TV. I remember the Razor, all those Absolutely. Razor Ramon vignettes and stuff. It's, uh, I was I was with Scott Hall when he found when he ran into a guy. He come up with the Razor character. Really? Yes, me and him and Johnny B. Bad and somebody else. I forgot who it was with. It might have been Brad Armstrong or somebody. We was in Oakland, California, working out at Gold's Gym. Okay. And there was this little Latino guy in there. He was just jacked, but he wasn't real big. But he was just. He was jacked. I think he was a little gangster guy. He had tattoos and stuff all over him. And he was just jawing at everybody in the gym. It didn't matter if he was this big, big or little. Hey, you got to come and walk out with the macho man. You got to get some pipes like this. Oh, no, you got small tubing, man. You got no pipe. You got to have pipes like me, baby. And after a while, Johnny B. Bad was like, man, I'm going to knock this guy out. <laughs> yeah. And then we were like, no, man, this is kind of funny, really. Yeah, you know? yeah and then keep going. And next thing you know, we laughed about that for so long and joked about it, and then Scott left the territory. Next thing I know, I'm watching TV, and he's doing that exact character. Oh, I went, wow. oh, my God, I was with him when he come up with that, you know? That's it was, incredible. Yeah, it was so funny. But we talked about that little guy for the longest time, because he, he was he was funny, you know? But, yeah. you know, a couple of guys was getting on their nerves, because they were sure. in there. They were, you know, I wasn't quite as serious and working out as Johnny B. Bad and those guys was back in the day. I was going because that's what I, you know, riding with guy. Oh, hey, right. I'll, I'll go, too, you know? <laughs> I trained a lot harder now than I did then it was crazy but but uh I thought that was the funniest thing man that kid was he was just he was all over everything. so is that some of it though just the the uh the performer the wrestler's ability to influence to be inspired by things but to have a say in his gimmick yeah, yeah. a lot of uh, those guys some don't. guys that don't get to or, or or some of the different trends in the way it goes um is that, is that it you think? I think that's got a lot to do with it because Scott Hall hadn't he knew what he wanted to do. He had a character Stone Cold, same just thing. missing some pieces. Yeah, and and you'll know when you see than, it. It's a lot different than them coming to you saying, "Hey, this writer over here has an idea for a character, and they want we're going to make you do it." Well, that doesn't mean that you and your personality fits into that at all. They're just right. looking, trying to find the body to stuff into this idea. Yeah, exactly. You know, it doesn't mean that this idea was was tailored for you and they used to do that the other way around they'd come up with ideas and they would tailor it to the character and build it and I don't see a lot of that anymore and, I, and it, in turn it, it makes it hard for guys to develop a character and they want you to get over they, especially if times are tough they want you to get over immediately and if you don't have that immediate reaction well they used to would take a little time before they'd give you some sure. time to, to give to because it takes time to get over Absolutely. You know, you can't just throw a character out there and say, oh, man, he's over. He's going to start drawing some money. You know, it don't happen that way. You have to get over. Right. And you have to get the character over. And uh, they don't seem to take the time. And so, and they, and they don't really develop serious characters anymore. They try to add a, a funny ha-ha to everything right. pretty much. And, and there's an old adage in, in, in wrestling. Certain guys, it's their gimmick to make the people laugh. But if that's not your gimmick... And you make them laugh, it's kind of hard to get them back. Absolutely. And make them serious. Yeah, once you, yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? That's, yeah. the, so, uh, 
that's a problem too, you know. And, and psychology, they don't, you know, they don't take the time to develop it. And I guess they don't have the time anymore. Sure. And in turn, it makes the kids paranoid too because they tell and they, they talk they they talk out of both sides of their mouth. They'll tell these kids, "Hey, look, go out there and just try things. Sometimes it will work, sometimes it won't." And blah 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 blah. blah. Just do it. and then the kid goes out and tries something and it don't work, and they're fine. Exactly. You, you, know, so know. What the, you know. So what the heck? You know. They, they put these kids in impossible situations sometimes, and they're scared to move. They're scared to just step out and try something that's that's a lot of times. When we used to work in the old days, and you would ad lib, and you didn't talk about every single thing you was going to do from the time my first mu music plays to the building, you know, you'd go out there and you would experiment with things and try things, and all of a sudden things that would present themselves to you that you'd would write it, and yes, and you got to take advantage of that. And the kids yeah. don't know how to do that anymore because they're so locked into just doing what they talked about because they're so afraid that if they get off the page and it messes up, oh my God, we're in trouble, right. you know, and. and I agree. And they can't pick up the pieces. Yeah. And I've been at shows mm -hmm. where you see it's happened, and then it's like, oh, please don't melt down. Yeah, yeah. Somebody, they, they won't get somebody's got to be the just a step of, mm -hmm. ahead of, of that wily veteran. You've got to step in and take over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to yeah. take over because it's, it's, it's getting out of control. somebody got to take control at that point. Absolutely. Yeah. I think improv is one of those skill sets that, um, that wrestling has lost. And, yes. and that to me is the realism part of it. If you're if you're laying out every move, if you're choreographing everything, if you've got a thirty-page script, that's not real. That's it's not. It's planned out steps. It's almost like a dance. Like the improv part, that's the realism that I miss and that I used to love seeing. And that's what I loved about going to old house shows like the Georgia National Guard Armory and places like that. It was real. Yeah, that, that's guys what were calling stuff and having fun. Yes, you can see a lot of times too in these young kids' faces when they're down and they should be selling and making pain expressions and you know having expressions on their face, but instead you can see their in their eyes. They're thinking, okay, the next spot we're doing. Exactly. They're thinking about okay, we talk about yeah, and and it takes away from the selling and it takes away from the whole match. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more well let's uh so let's go back a little bit and and, and talk about um training i mean you guys once the once you stopped as as in-ring performers uh, you guys have become trainers and for those that don't know started deep south wrestling that has um put many 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 superstars on tv that we see and jody and i talked about it and we've talked about it before but um, I lived in McDonough at that time. I, I ran an apartment complex at that time, and we had uh, the most wrestlers that were in that school that, that hung out at our pool at the time. That was a cool yeah. couple summers. Um, you guys started wrestling training schools, sharing the craft. What's, what's sort of the difference between wrestling schools uh, then or even prior maybe how when you guys first got brought in uh to now when it seems like there's so many wrestling schools like i told jody before y'all came in i can remember being little and having no earthly idea how to get in wrestling you love it you watch it you cheer for it you've got your heroes and your bad guys but i didn't know where to begin yeah. if i wanted to be i just didn't know where they came from they just come off the tv but now it seems like if you want to take a shot and see if you can become a pro wrestler, my God, there's somewhere not yeah. far away where you can sign up. 
Yeah, but that, then you also have to look at where you're signing up too. Who's going to be training you? Where? What? What have they done? There's a thousand people out there that's got a that's got a ring, and I'm on. I'm on teach. I ain't never been on a big show. I've, the right. biggest show I've ever worked in front of was a hundred people. <laughs> but I'm on teach now. You know, yes, there's a thousand of them. But you out see there. it, yeah. Yeah, but that is a place to go. Don't, don't get me wrong, and you will be able to learn how to do some moves, but. Learning how to do moves isn't learning how to wrestle. You can learn how to do moves from anybody. It's learning when to do the moves and why to do those moves, and how to tell, how to make those moves tell a story. And I mean, otherwise, you're just a choreographed tumbling act, you know. And uh, I think he was asking about the difference in schools. I don't even think there was wrestling schools when you first broke in. I mean, you pretty much you had to know somebody and you fought your way in. Well, even when I first started, it was that way. There wasn't, you know, I didn't have to fight my way. Pop helped me get in. I just got in as a ref. But I've known a lot of guys, you know, the, the Billy Starr and Randy Rose, all those guys. They were coming down trying to break in in Georgia Championship Wrestling. And they'd take them down to that old sportatorium and they'd get in the ring with guys that were shooters and they'd get their butts kicked all the time. It was like they would beat the crap out of them to try and chase them off. And the ones that kept coming back and kept coming back and kept coming, they'd eventually use them. But I mean, they would just literally beat the oh, stretch guys until they passed out, you know, and put choke choke them out, and then it, it was torture. It was torture to get in. But you know, but now it's 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 different. Now there's a hundred different schools, and and uh, there it's it's easier to get in. But like I said, you got to also know who, what are you getting for sure. what you're paying for, you know, and what's what's the what's the end game, you know? Okay, after you've you've you trained here for a month or two. Are you going to get me a match? Are you going to get me a job? Or, yeah, what's uh, your intention? Are you, are you going to keep yeah. milking me in, uh, for a yeah. couple of years? Or <laughs> what, what are we doing here, you know? Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. And, and kind of talking about that progression, like you said, you know, when, when Jody, we were, you were starting out, there were no schools. And then, of course, as you progress in your career, um, we always heard about in the 90s the power plant with WCW. Yeah. What was that like? I mean, was that sort of the first sort of, thing of its time you know obviously the WWE now has the performance center and that's sort of where they bring their their wrestlers through but tell us about the power play and kind of how that came to be I've always wondered about like a centralized training facility right absolutely well that's what the power plant was the power plant was designed for hardcore wrestling and that's what we taught there and we run a lot of guys through there you know and uh Everybody that was there realized that when you go out there in the ring to perform in front of an audience, that it ain't show business anymore. This is an athletic contest. And if you make it look like an athletic contest, then you've accomplished what you have set out to do. But so damn many guys don't, don't have the ability to do that or the mindset to do that. And consequently, they go out there and, and they think if they take a couple of bumps here and a couple of bumps there and flip-flop and fly and, and uh, make it look like an acrobatic uh, uh, performance instead of a wrestling match, that they've accomplished uh, what they need to do. That's not the, that's not the case. You need to accomplish, and, and what you need to accomplish is you need to capture and control the emotions of the fans. And you can't do that 
if you're out there flip-flopping and flying around. You can only do that with concentrated effort, and that's, that's the basic seed of wrestling. Being a former world heavyweight champion, I've been in trouble. And when you get in trouble, you got to have somebody you can depend on, a good attorney. Because I've been crazy, I've got in trouble. Jody Sellers is the number one man. He ain't there just to represent you. You walk in as a client, and by the time you get done, you become his family. And it takes family to win a case. You know, it takes somebody that's going to be there. Not no slogan name. Let me tell you, the number one attorney in Griffin, Georgia, and around the country as far as I'm concerned, Jody Sellers, bar none. I love that. When Pop said hardcore, I don't think he meant beating each other up with chairs and stuff. Right. For, for those that, not talking about extreme not, wrestling. Yeah, yeah. These, these are people, when he meant hardcore, he meant that, that you're dedicating your life to this. And yes. This is no longer a hobby. Yeah. That this is what's feeding your family. And that you are, and, and people that are of that mindset approach the business differently than, than people yeah. that are looking at it as a hobby, you know. And, and they will, and a lot of people will say that they're paying their dues and they're paying respect. And I guess they are in their own way. But, when you're making a living and the amount of dollars that comes into your hand equates to how many butts you put in seats, then you better think differently about it. And it better not just be a funny, ha-ha full game, because it, it's life. It's, and, it's, and it's how you feed your kid children. So you have to be serious about it. You know, that's why sometimes guys get frustrated and, and, and show little respect for other guys that, that don't have the same passion or are the same end game as they do because they just are are looking at it from two different perspectives yeah. you know and, and but if you're going to be serious and you better look at it from a different perspective or you ain't going to make you're going to get chewed up yeah. and spit out yeah. it's the wrong thing to go out there and dabble around with yeah yeah and that's what i tell people too like uh about comedy is um there's a lot of parallels as far as like what you said is to capture and control the audience and their imagination mm -hmm. and their you know, that experience, yeah. uh, suspend them for that time that you have them from outside of there, the yeah. mundane, from everything, just and control it, capture it and control it. Um, it's not something that you're going to get really good at dabbling around. No. You know, you've got to go all in and you've got to really get out there and you've got to get on stage in front of five people if you want to get on stage in front of 500 people yep. and you got to eat shit and both and you got to perform like, just as hard in front of those five as you do in front yeah, of the five yeah harder sometimes harder because I mean, yeah way harder you can hide a lot with a lot of people there for mm -hmm. whatever reason but with, with five people there you can't when you got five hundred people fart. there, they're, they want to be there. They're all yeah. there, happy and having a good time. When you got five people there, four of them usually are hecklers, yeah. <laughs> unless all five of them are. They'll, hey, let's go down here and give this guy a hard time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you guys, so you got into training. Like, what do you think about the guys? Like, we talk about like wrestling schools, or even there's promoters, people that just are playing wrestling. You know, they just use it as a, or a business idea or just bad for the business, bad promoters. Even some guys that are in wrestling are not the best promoters, but um, running a show right, the business of the wrestling business and um, having the storyline and having some guys that are committed. Tell me about what you're doing now, like we kind of talked about last time with Deep South, where it's at now. 
Where it's at now is uh, I had to postpone my last show and I put it off and I had to restructure a little bit. I had a couple of guys I had to let go of and I had to get a couple of new guys. And uh, well, in I, case people missed it, the show was pro- postponed. It was a drive-in. Yeah, wrestling. Yeah, it was going to be an outdoor show. It was going to be similar to the drive-in that I was talking right. about. But I've got a buddy that's got a big uh, property, and one of his big fields is kind of shaped like a bowl. And I was going to have the ring set in the bowl and surround it with cars, and and I had fireworks lined up, and it was going to be live. And, and people it rained. Out there. <laughs> yeah, and then here comes the rain. So anyway, I've had to I've had to restructure, and I've got a couple of new people that's working for me. And coming up this month on the 29th, we are going to shoot right straight out of the building, and it's not worry about doing it in front of a crowd. We're going to do it right from there. I got four matches lined up; they're all singles matches. I want, what I'm going to do, I probably told you all this last time. I'm, and my new partner, I've got a new partner that's going to do all the video for me, and he's putting the website together right now. That's and we've great. got guys sending in promos now. We've got guys sending in pictures to get everything lined up. And our first show is going to be at the first of every month. I'm going to put out a one-hour show. They're all going to be singles matches on this first one. That's what I've got guys to work with. But we're looking at guys, and, and my partner is of the same mindset as me. We are looking for people that look like athletes people that if you don't have an athletic body that doesn't mean you can't make money in the business and I'm not saying that oh that's all we're looking for is muscle sure. heads because that's not all we're looking for but we want people we we want people to look at deep south and say wow there's some athletes out there I don't I hate seeing a show when you look on there and it looks like every guy on the card would need a shot from an EpiPen if he just walked by a gym. Right. You know, it's like, are you guys allergic? What's the deal? You know, come on. You know, this is, we sell bodies here. This is, you know, it's yeah. the wrestling business. But we want guys that look good and perform and are hungry. And that's what we're going to present. And I'm filming my first one on the 29th with my partner. We're going to have guys there. The other guys that are wrestling are going to be around the ring. So we have, you know, you've seen the building. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. big. So we can so get some crowd noise. If you guys want to come check it out, you're more than welcome to come down and see it and be a part of it. I've got four matches lined up with, and they're all singles, but all the kids can work. And they all look pretty good. And there's, my partner's bringing in three guys. Now I can't, I say, oh, I haven't met these three guys, but he's of the same mindset as me. And they should be able to plug right in with the guys that I have. And I've got guys that are, two of them are personal trainers. And uh, the one kid is 19 years old, and he's got a whole chest full of amateur medals that he won. He went to Heritage High School over in uh, Rockdale County. That's right. And uh, he trained at a place called Face to Face, and Teddy Long helped him bring in. a super nice kid named Shoot Taylor. And this kid can go. And he's awesome. got another. There's another kid named Owen Knight. That's uh, not a real big guy, but they but they can go. I mean, they can flat get it. And it's not. I want different styles. Right. I, I want guys that are that are spot oriented, but tell stories with their spots. I want guys that are ground and pound. You know, I want I want the whole array of things. You know, and I want ladies eventually. We don't have any ladies on the card, and I want to have because the ladies are, ladies in the industry now do everything the guys do. Right. I'm his, uh, his name's Josh, and he is a actual high school wrestling coach here on the South Side, over in Stockbridge, actually. And Becky has got a prosthetic right foot from a motorcycle accident she was in just a little oh, wow. over a year ago, and she almost, I mean, bless her heart, she her body took a beating, and she's gone through several surgeries, and she come to me wanting to be a wrestler. 
I'm like, <laughs> I said, you know what kind of torture your body's already been through, sure, what you're about sure. to go and put it through again. And one of my trainers looked at her and said, why are you doing this? What, what, what's your end game? What do you want to do out of all this training? And why are you doing this? And she looked at him and said, well, before I had my accident, I thought of myself as a superhero. And I've not felt about my way, that way about myself ever since I've lost my foot. And coming down here makes me feel like I can be a superhero again. Oh, wow. So she's getting that opportunity. I said, you give me 100% and I'll work with you till the cows come home. Yeah. You know, we're gonna, we'll put it together. Yeah. But uh, I want to try to tell a story, the, the Becky and Josh story. Yeah. Because they both contacted me together. She wanted to wrestle. He always wanted to, but you know, he's doing a teaching and coaching thing. And he finally said, well, if she's gonna do it and I keep waiting, I'm 30 now, you know, I'm gonna be too old, I'm gonna do it too. So they both approached me wanting to, wanting to train and they come down there and they are serious and they are gung-ho, and he's gonna be really good. He's gonna, you know, he's, it's gonna take time. I'm gonna have to teach him how to not stretch yeah. me, how to do it without actually stretching me. Yeah. I said, okay. I had him take me down the other day, and I was gonna do a little sit-out thing with him. Well, he took me down, and I went to do my sit-out, and I thought, no, I'm not moving. <laughs> I can't even bring my knee up. I said, Josh, uh, uh, would you let me do something? <laughs> But, uh, but they're gonna be really good. And I wanna tell their story on our website when it comes up, the Josh and Becky story. How they met, how they got together, tell her, let her tell Absolutely. her accident, how it got together, how they're training together. That would show be incredible. Them, and let the people watch them and tell their story until they're ready for both of them to step into their first two matches. Then I think we've got instant two baby faces right there. Absolutely, so, I love that idea. Uh, well, we've got, uh, our last segment uh, that we love to do here, uh, we would be crazy if we didn't, because we have Jody Sellers, who's uh, attorney of the year, attorney of the decade, certainly a twenty. Yeah, yeah. You want it back? Okay, Jody wants it back. I'm sorry. Uh, Trying to cut that out, but Tim can't cake a hint. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I, I have a hard time with pantomiming. Giving it's you all that. right. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to ask you real quickly before we we got ready to wrap up here is um, obviously so much of the business has changed, and then there's like the core things that haven't. But one of the things that's kind of cool now is for like the collector for. Um, for people now is like the merchandising like there's just yeah. so much stuff with the, with the names on it and availability of like action figures and ring dolls and things it hasn't always been that way but having been there from the beginning and, and just seeing uh, some of the early days when when times were so different to now um, like, do your kids know, your, some of your students, they know that you're in three video games? You know, like, do they know? I don't think so. I think do they know that you've do. got stuff out there? And then, like, and then like uh, for you, um, do you do you look at some of them now and just shake your head? Like, oh, they have no, no idea how good they got it. Because you'll see a wrestler come out now, and if he's around just long enough, he might get an action figure or something out. But these guys are kind of, like, out of it and gone. And yeah. you don't hear from them. You're like, but there's... There's many legends that don't have this yeah. out there, and they're getting that residual income coming in yeah. over something like this. Like, uh, what are your thoughts on some of that? Well, I think that uh, merchandising in the in the proper way, I think, is great. 
it's not only good for the people that are selling it, but it's good for the people that are making money off of it, uh, the people that, that uh, the merchandise is all about. Uh, I think sometimes they go overboard with it and uh, sell some stuff that probably isn't really totally related to the individual or even to the business. And there's where I think they make the mistake because I think that everything merchandise-wise should be directed directly at the individual or the rustling business and nothing else. So would like an example of that be, I don't know, like now I know that there's there's like a line of characters out that's sort of like a mashup between like He-Man um, or like zombies or so you mean stuff like that like yeah, they take yeah. these characters and just like turn yeah, them into some yeah, kind they, of they, they take zombie, zombie they take figures fictitious characters and that aren't even plot for a zombie figure yeah that aren't even in wrestling yeah and they try to you know they make action figures out of them and so and so on but it has nothing to do with wrestling yeah so if it was me I wouldn't produce merchandise for sale unless it was directly connected with an active wrestler. Yeah, uh, and I agree with you, and, and part of that for me too is I always want whatever I've got to sort of feel special and not just overly saturated, like mm -hmm. you said. Like there, Sometimes there's stuff like, um, uh, I haven't had to worry about this too much being an Atlanta Hawks fan and uh, going back to the early 90s Falcons fan till now. We haven't always had that problem where our merch is everywhere in the store. But like some, sometimes NASCAR certain sides of town, you know, where it's just like, man, anything you can think of, they've got a Dale Earnhardt thing on it or a yeah. Richard Petty logo on it or something like NASCAR's real, I guess, real good at it. But um, I've always wanted whatever item I've got to feel, I don't know, just collectible. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just don't want... Like I said, what, you know, it was like a Christmas or two ago, and I was going to get my son um, s s uh, some new wrestling figures, and there was these zombies out. And I was just like, but they're the same price, and I get it. They're the same size, but he wants a, a Roman Reigns. I'm not going to get him the zombie Roman, Roman yeah. Reigns. I need yeah. to get him the real one. But yeah. I just thought, like, oh, it's just such a money grab. I guess I get it, but I'm, I don't know. Um, but what are some of your... Uh, like, like, you know, you've got kids, and, and, and that stuff has changed, the video game business and the merchandising. Even, you know, you've got a little taste of like that. You're in some games. Yeah. Um, how is that sort of, what as, as you've watched it sort of evolve, what are some of your thoughts on that? I think that uh, they've gotten away from the little kids. As, mm. uh, because remember back in the day when they had the wrestling, you could get Hulk Hogan and Macho Man and then Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, just beat the crap out of wrestle yeah, buddies. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they've gotten away from the little kids. It seems to me like they're more targeting the young adults, uh, you know, like uh, 18 to 20-something, to you know. Yeah. It seems like they're targeting them a lot more than, than the little kids you know, and as far as the merchandise. But to me... I think you target the little kids too because then you've got fans for life. You know, you got somebody that's buying your merchandise and watching you all through they they're growing up and hopefully turn their kids on to it. You know, but uh, I don't see as much stuff. I mean, they still 
put the little wrestling rings and the action figures. They're always going to do that. But they kind of got away. I, I used to get into those little dolls, those wrestle dolls. And I'm, that seemed to be that and the action figures, the two things that got played with the most. Yeah, I still got them. To, that was one of, when I, when I first uh, was going to become a dad and had a son, that's one of the things I knew I wanted to get for him because at that time they were the, like the wrestle buddies. Like, yeah. Like the coolest commercial. You just had to have this thing. Yeah. It beat the crap out of me because I wasn't allowed to really beat my brother up like that. Yeah. Even though if you did, it was no, like you said, no blows to the face. Yeah. Uh, you try to get away with it, just body blows. But uh, yeah, and he had them and played with them. And, and they're a lot more expensive now than they were then to get yeah. your hands on them. But um, I let him play with them and he loves them. Um, but then you've got like some toys. It's just like, like you said, they're so deep. They just seem like they're geared toward the older audience, where it's almost like, ooh, do you really want the child playing with it? Because it's a fifty dollars setup. Or seems like they more focus on t-shirts and belts and stuff now than. than oh you know, yeah. You know, yeah. I don't know. They sell a lot of those belts too now. Yeah. And you can't knock them for that. You know. It, no. It, it's all about them. It's all about the dollar bill. If you don't approach it, if you don't approach it from that from that viewpoint, it's. It's that how you approach the business. From you, know, you make doing it for a living, or you do it for a hobby. You know, if you're doing it for a living, then you got to sell all that stuff. If it's going to sell, then you put it out there. Well, I want to ask you um, uh, why we wait for Jody to get back because we want to do our segment wrestling with the law. So that's where we ask you a legal question, maybe something you've always wondered. Um, so we'll wait for him to get back so you can ask a lawyer. Um, but Jody and I were talking, and he had a great point. He brought up. He's like. I wonder if you got to keep the belts, or do you get a replica belt? Because in some sports, it's they give you a replica. Some it's up to you, you know, because they keep like the Stanley Cup. It's the same one that just keeps getting yeah. passed along. So, do you go back and, like you said, nowadays? I mean, you can get a replica of any belt yeah. at any time, low quality, good quality. Like, and Jody's a big belt collector. I think yeah. he's got a man cave at his house of wrestling yeah. belts. Um, but do you have any of your belts? Do you keep any of the belts? Had to give them up when it was time. You just packed. You got a little trophy of some stuff from Japan of uh, that tournament you won in Japan. Yeah. But uh, as far as belts, tell us about. Is there, there's got to be some keepsakes. There's got to be something that you haven't passed down yet, or you haven't given up. You still got the mask. You still have the first mask. That's long gone. Really? Long, long gone. When I went, I think it was my second time to Tokyo, I went out with a couple of guys, and uh, there were some Japanese businessmen that wanted to take a couple of guys out, and I went, went out with them. And while we're sitting there talking, one of the Japanese businessmen, somebody said that he was my dad, and he, he was like, he was just like amazed, and then he he grabbed me and he says, "It's so nice to meet you. It's so nice to meet you." And then he took me. He ended up being Joe the Pearl guy. Oh yeah. Pop every time all the boys when they'd go to Japan, we used to there was a guy named Joe the Pearl guy, and, and he would sell guys jewelry for a really good price, so we could bring stuff home to our family. Yeah, yeah. So I met Joe the Pearl guy, and he took me. He says, "You come with me." So he took me to his. We left the club that we was. It was at a club. They had got <laughs> a club. Now we left the club and went to his business that was shut. That little bitty old place that was closed through and, an alley. Yeah, and he opened it up, and we go in there, and. I buy, I buy, I buy a ring and some, and, some, and some earrings and a ring for my wife to take home. But he pops out this old assassin mask 
that was ripped open and had blood all over it. That, wow. That Pop gave to him as a souvenir. I think it was almost 20 years to the day before that I met him and, and he took me to the deal. It was like really close, but it was like right at He was so excited to have yeah. met you. And he still had that mask shot. for 20 years, a blood-stained mask that he's had in his, for 20 years kept in that in that store. And then the... When he he realized who I was, it was like, hey, you got to see this, you know. And he had stuff from my uncle too. My uncle had given him some stuff too. You guys have both been all over the world, but like specifically Japan. What is it like for an American athlete, um, an American star, celebrity? What is it like for you guys over there? Like, I'm not talking about just wrestling or. Uh, what's it like wrestling someone that doesn't per se speak your language and that communication? No, what's it like after? Yeah. What is it, like you just mentioned, Joe the Pro, um, what kind of tree is it like? Is it's, it even, even higher of a level of superstardom over there? Are they that much more like rabid and crazy about you and seeing yeah, and meeting Overseas you? is really crazy. It's, it's especially. Uh, oh, you've got the media following you everywhere. Really? Yeah. Everywhere you go. You know, most of your transportation between one city to another to wrestle is by train. And you've got bukus of reporters following you on the train. Then you'll have another huge bevy of reporters waiting for the train to get there so they can start shooting pictures and asking questions and so on. And I liked, uh, I liked Japan and I liked Australia. Most of those other countries I went to, uh, England, France, Germany, Spain, and everything, you know. Can't wait wait to get out. I couldn't wait to get the hell out of there. Yeah, you can tell you don't want to go back. (laughs) That's why I laugh when I see, I watch some of these uh, uh, TV shows, these uh, uh, shows where you win prizes and stuff, and you've won a trip to England. You're like, hell no, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'll I'll that. Give me the next showcase. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Over the years, it's kind of changed a little bit. Like, I can say, when, like when I was with WCW and WWE, overseas is is huge. Business is... Because you can like... You can go over there and almost rebrand. Yeah, it's like from the time you land... There, there's hundreds of people waiting to see you at baggage claim just to see the guys show up on the... And I don't know how they get all this information. Then you get on a bus and you go to the <laughs> yeah. hotel. You get on the bus, you go to the hotel, you show up at the hotel, there's hundreds more people waiting to see you there. And all the lobbies filled, and, and, and you're just like... And so you find yourself are, like having a being gimmick as soon as you... Yeah, I mean, it, it's and it's that way everywhere you go overseas. As soon as you show up at the hotel, the lobby's swamped. You just have to get through and get to your room, you know, and then you got to go to the show, and they're all waiting to see you before you go load on the bus, and then security has to park the Red Sea there so you can walk through and get to the bus. And, and man, it's, 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 cra- it, it's fun, though. I mean, I can't say that I hated it because it was really, it was really pretty cool. Yeah, as to to see that level of the uh, only time that wasn't cool is when you were trying to eat a meal. Oh yes, why? Because you don't know what you're eating. No, 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 no. no, no. Food was great. Let you eat. Oh, the bother you can't get that done. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, you know, you hear about guys. Rather, they they had their start here and had a little success or a little run. And then maybe they get released or cut or whatever. But like you go to Japan, it's like you're a different. Le- if you haven't at some point been in Japan, mm-hmm. 
You're just not on the pro wrestling level that most real pro wrestlers are. This should be real. Yeah. And I've always wondered about that experience for guys because, like, you would think they would have such disdain that an American's coming over. You're trying to take down our hero or whatever. It just seemed like every American that would show up would be a heel. It was back in the day, especially yeah. in Pop's day. Now that they've seen... And the wrestling was different back then. There was, like, more, more kind of like... Uh, uh, the Ring of Honor type thing, you know, where guys are shaking all that. You yeah. know, it's more like that, and they, they they don't want to see that over there from our company, from from WCWWD. You go over there and do that, they're like, ah, they want to see what we do on TV now. Yeah, and so it, it's 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 changed. It's changed uh, a lot actually, and uh, how they perceive us too. Pop had a story he told me back in the day when, remember that time that you, when it was over in Japan, and I think it was you and Killer Carl Cox, and it was having some kind of riots. And Pop and Carl Cox, they told the guys not to go out. Pop, they took off and they went to the store. And remember the story you told me when you walked around the corner and a little Japanese lady walked around the corner and ended up face to face with you? Now, she was so scared of my dad. This little woman that walked up to him into a, in a store. This little Japanese woman rounded the corner and almost a double knockout with Pop. And he had to wear his mask back then. Yeah. Because they wore your mask everywhere. Right. She looked up at my dad and squatted right on the floor and urinated on the floor. Oh, wow. I bet. She was so scared. Uh, you ain't going to get that from any of our wrestlers no. nowadays because they look at us differently because we're presented differently. Well, on the flip side, were the, would the males be confrontational? I mean, when you were out, did you ever have no? Like most of them were scared to death of you. Yeah, yeah. But once in a while, you'd if you're get doing one. your job right, you're scared to death of you. Once, know once in a while, you'd get one that thought he was tough and, and yeah. would try you. You know. That's and uh, I, I, I can't remember the name of the bar, but it was close to. We we're staying at the New Japan Hotel at the time, and this bar that the office took us to it was it was a bar bar and grill, you know, and we ate there too. And we're all sitting around a table like this, but we're sitting on the floor. And the table is basically on the floor. Right. And I got a geisha girl here and a geisha girl here, and everybody else had one on each side, and and uh, they're giving you your drink and taking the lid off and putting it to your lips, and all you got to do is sit there and sub it, you know. <laughs> Couldn't do less. Yeah. And... They 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 fed you and and everything and then when it was over with they take you to the bath and oh, they take your clothes oh they take all your no sex but they take all your clothes off and everything and then they take you and put you in a warm a, a, a warm bath and then from the warm bath they put you in the hot bath and then from the hot bath they put you in the cool one to cool you off then they take you to the massage table and this was all for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, well, basically, it was during it, it was on a day off, and wow. and it was almost a whole day, uh, different things that they they were doing. You know? So were they? Would you? Would it be the same ones? Would they stay with you, or did you get like were they in shifts? So different girls. Wow. Different girls every time, you know. And the, of course, I didn't the, the get best that one. <laughs> the best, the best I one that, that I ever had. <laughs> And the most fun that I ever had doing one was they had this huge resort right at the base of Mount Fuji. Wow. And the office took four of us there. There was like eight, eight, eight or nine guys on the tour 
but they only took four of us. I guess because it was so expensive. They took us there, and I have never had a massage that good. <laughs> and I tell you, you know, I'm funny about massaging. I like, I don't like it hard. Yeah. But I don't like it, you know, like tickling either. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah. But those that girls, those girls, and they were all girls. But they had the, the strongest damn hands I have ever seen on a human being. That's what they did for a living. <laughs> they, yeah, they were Sweet. all Danny Hodge type grips, you know. Oh, and the, we got the we got the rub down and the bath and put the robes on. Sit down, and they fed us. And, you know, I said, "Geez, I wouldn't have wanted to leave." Yeah. <laughs> I, I would have yeah. just said, "You know what? Hell with the USA." Yeah. I feel like in about thirty years, politics is going to stink like it does now, yeah. and I'm just I'm out now. I'm going to get out of here early. I'm going to stay in Japan. No, I've always like uh, I get so fascinated, like baseball players. Sometimes um, they'll go play a couple seasons over there. I know the Braves had a player. Uh, Andrew Jones who played some seasons over there and it's just like rock star status just crazy yeah. money they pay yeah. for for yeah. a guy to go over there and they're just they're treated like Elvis yeah. whatever that is you yeah. know like yeah. just like you said a massage at the base well they did the same they, as far as pay and stuff is concerned it was basically the same thing with, with the wrestlers if they wanted you to come over there and everything I mean they paid through the nose for you jeez you could you could damn near name your own price, you know. Yeah. And of course, back in those days, Jim Barnett was running Australia. So, hell, I went from Japan to Australia, and I went to Hong Kong, Hong Kong, and Singapore, wow. and back to Japan, and back to Australia. Did you hit Philippines? Did you hit Philippines? Too? Oh yeah, yeah, hit the Philippines, hit Hawaii. How much time would you spend? Um, Outside of the hotel arena, when you would be there for a show in a different place like that, like Thailand or Singapore, like did you get out and mess around in the scene, or did you stay the hell away because you no, don't know what's going away. on out there? These people are nuts. Didn't want to know. Yeah, yeah. Because if 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 you're a heel, yeah, yeah. Obviously, that's a you know you're not, not out there as a tourist. Yeah, they're. Uh, <laughs> There are danger zones that you become immediately aware of. Yeah. And you avoid those danger zones, so I just made it a point to avoid them all, you know. Just call in room service. Send, yeah. send them masseuses. Yeah. Well, send them girls on over here with the, yeah. with the good hands. Give me yeah. two new ones. No, I like the, well, one of the, yeah. 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 Well, guys, um, we'll get you guys out of here. Uh, Jody, uh, if you're ready. Sure. We're going to do this segment on the show that's is, is probably my, my, my favorite um, because we get to really make Jody uncomfortable or hit him <laughs> with something. We have no idea what's coming next. But, hey, we've got the, the greatest lawyer in the land here, Jody Sellers from the Sellers Law Firm. Too kind, too kind. And um, so we got to put him to the test, some of his lawyering um, expertise, I guess. But we're doing a segment on the show called Wrestling with the Law. Obviously. Wrestling with the law Oh, I'm wrestling with the law 
I can't sleep and I can't eat I got questions, some simple, some complicated All wrestling with the law Wrestling with the law They got answers and advice for all Wrestling with the law Tall Tale Podcast Wrestling with the law it's a pun. He's a big wrestling fan, but he's also a lawyer. But hey, what is something that maybe you guys rather it's something from back in the day? You've had a deal go bad, a, a, a neighbor that something on what something anything. It could be happened today. It could be from way back when. But what's something you just always wondered? If I had a lawyer, I would just. <laughs> I need see to if this was real. And don't do masks, because we've had masks. <laughs> right. Can they make me wear my mask? <laughs> we've done that. We've done it. But anything you're curious about, maybe there was a, a legal situation, maybe there was a contract dispute, maybe something kind of fishy was happening. And we're going to let you do this one, because last time, Junior did it, and I believe uh, I right. him about the, he wanted uh, to know when the, when, when the state was going to turn blue so we could have marijuana. I'm just kidding. No, he asked about the marijuana, um, which is a great question. Yes. Okay, you want me to ask him just any, anything yeah, you just want? Yeah, Maybe anything. you see something crazy something, on the news. Usually, those are the best ones. Something illegal, you think? Oh, no, it doesn't necessarily have to be. It could be wrestling anything. related. Not at all. It, it, don't anything. Have to, it don't even have to be you. It don't even have to be real. That's no. right. Why? Make, why make him uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, this is on me. <laughs> this is the pressure to me. <laughs> but, Thanks, Tim. But we already know he smokes marijuana. That's right. We've already been through that. So. And, and, and he can't wait. Mm-hmm. Legally. Make legally. Yeah. Waiting for Georgia to come around. Oh, God. Yeah. When I get out of the realm of wrestling and everything, I'm... Like a babe in the woods. <laughs> I, got a re- I got a wrestling one, but I don't. I, wrestling one's good. There's wrestling. I mean, yeah. okay. Wrestling. How about this? Hey, tag team. What about what about now? I've heard the thing that uh, that some of the kids that are up in WWE had found a way to make some side money oh. on the internet, right. and all of a sudden Vince McMahon went off and told them that not only do I own your character name, I own you. And you're not allowed to make those videos. Those are my dollars, not yours. How is, is, does, do the guys have a leg to stand on? Because that seemed to come out of left field. It was just like, like, how did he sleep on that? And all of a sudden it just caught wind of like, oh shit, people are making money and I'm not getting a cut. I did all of this for them. What? Well, it takes his control away. That's a good one. That's a good one. What do you think? That is a great question. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna tiptoe around some of that a little bit, but no. the question really comes down to contracts, and that's what it is. So it really depends on what did those guys sign, what did the wrestlers sign? I say guys, I mean everybody, the wrestlers. Mm-hmm. What did they sign when they entered into that contract? Because that controls everything. Right. And the difference is likeness, and I think some people don't realize that when they are signing that contract, and you're not reading that fine print. Your likeness is not just, you know, the character name. Mm-hmm. It's your physical image. Mm-hmm. And so if you're getting out on some of these platforms and social media, it's all about not just what you're saying, but what you look like, too. Cameo, you're seeing yourself. 
you know, um, social media videos you're seeing yourself. And I think that's the big problem they were getting into. They were wanting to get on podcasts, they were getting on video platforms, and they were selling their image and not kicking it back to maybe a percentage to WWE or, or whatever the wrestling affiliation was. And that's where the problem comes into it. Um, and I understand both sides of it. And, and it sucks when you think you're building your own thing. You're and you're actually, told to. Exactly. And you're told to build your own thing. Well, you have to. Otherwise, yes. it's much, much harder mm-hmm. to get <laughs> that look, to get that tryout, mm-hmm. to get that shot. Because this kid's got 250 followers on a social media thing. And, and you're also working for a company that will tell you it's easier to ask for permission or to forgiveness than permission. Sure, absolutely. That's, and they tell you that. Yeah. But then you, but then, then it's like making a mistake in the ring. Then you're fired. Exactly. I want you to think on your own. Oh, you thought on your own. You're fired. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? And I think some of the brands have a better grasp of that and what, what they need to do to kind of get around that issue. Around it. The best example I can think of, and it's happening right now, is Impact Wrestling and then Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson or, or the Machine Gun or whatever you want to call them, whatever their names are now. They have left that environment where they couldn't do those things, and they are now with a company where they have worked out a, a way to do that. Mm-hmm. They have one of the, the, the best, um, I guess, raises or, or, or rises from wrestling to social media that I've seen. They've got a podcast network they're building. They have their own brand that they're building, and they're building that while they're also on a name brand wrestling network, which is incredible. And I think that's a big difference and a big concept that WWE maybe hasn't grasped just yet that they need to understand that there are companies out there that are going to let you do a lot more and let you use your likeness and use your name in a way that promotes not only the business and their brand, but also you know the individual person. The you-win-we-win so, situation as opposed yeah. to someone just so hell-bent on, well, I don't have control, I don't have yeah. control. Absolutely, and that's the It's like a control thing, and it's mm. like, but you it is a control thing. And still have, you know, it, it does come off really just just shitty. It does, just absolutely. Shitty. Just, it just just reeks of selfishness. Just like, okay, well, so now you're going to shut all that down because you're not getting a cut. And you're going to have, since they're independent contractors, they're all going to have different types of contract wordage now. Right. Where now it's really clear that you're signing away everything that you're doing going forward, unless it's under Drew Hankinson or whatever, because we've... You know, we've had that with um, the shows that we do, Tall Tales, and, and having guys come on, and, you know, we're doing a comedy show, and we're having special guests come on, and we've got posters and promotion and all this going into it. Oh, but we can't really use your WWE name or mm-hmm. whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. To me, if I was Vince, and... I had guys that found a way to go out there and promote themselves and was making money. Instead of being mad at them, I'd be mad at my team of experts that should have found a way. They should have been doing that for those kids in the first place. Absolutely. You know, and then they wouldn't have had to done that for themselves, and they'd be getting them. But why doesn't his team of experts do that for them? You and know, that to me, exactly. if I was him, I would think, okay, I'm going to be mad at this group instead of this group. Mm-hmm. This group here found a way to improvise. And they're doing things that this group, ha- for some reason, they're sitting on their rear end and they aren't getting it done. Absolutely. Now, these kids went out there and did it on their own, what you should have done. Absolutely. You know, so that's, I, I think he's directing his anger. I mean, I know he he's, wants every dollar, but, but he's directing his anger, I think, in the wrong place. Sure, absolutely. I mean, and the question becomes, too, you know, 
what group was advising, what were they doing before and after that kind of issue popped up. Um, maybe some some lawyers on that team need to look we need to look at what they were doing because again that's what it comes down to it's all about your contract what yeah. did you sign and, and what kind of freedom do you have but it's definitely going to make everybody on both sides look a little harder at what they're signing before they just jump into it contracts look great but when you realize that you can't make money off of yourself mm-hmm. you know that kind of changes things a little yeah. bit yeah well yeah i mean because and if they're not doing it for you then they're holding you back absolutely yeah. that's what you see with so many guys that aren't getting used right and that get released and go on and now they have that freedom absolutely and it's just like uh you know, and they tell you to go out and get over. If you're not going to be able to go out and get over with the people that they have you work with and the finishes they have you do, then how else are you going to go out and get yourself over? Absolutely. And that's the problem. And I think at this point in time, a lot of people are figuring out that there are other ways to do that and there are other brands we can do it with. Mm-hmm. And that's just going to change things for the better, I think. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Hopefully it just forces everyone involved to be a little bit more creative, which absolutely the fans will gain and... Uh, yeah, it's good for everybody. Definitely. Yeah. It, it is an icky, smelly thing that kind of come out, though. You're like, really, Vince? Mm-hmm. Of all the Well, things, that's wrestling. <laughs> of all the things and where you can look at another way to just really stick it to oh, your town. Oh, yeah. That's, 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 special. that's WWE wrestling. It's especially. Like, well, we didn't see Cameo coming where guys can just make a buck off of saying, hey, I want the assassin to say happy birthday to Jody. Jody's a big fan. It's his birthday. How much is it? 20 30 50 bucks? Okay, boom. Rug pulled right out, yeah. and it was just I don't know sleazy. Yeah. yeah. Hey, and like you said, sometimes that can be the wrestling business. But we're glad things are changing. Mm-hmm. We're glad that we have individuals like you guys that are putting a better spin on it and making it uh, more palatable for people who just want to be in the business because they really have a passion for it. And we're excited about seeing those changes coming forward. Um, we just want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts, Jody Hamilton. Joe, again, coming back and just being so gracious and talking with us. Um, thank you so much for what you've done for the business, and thank you for being here with us. Well, thank you for thank having us. Because yeah. God knows you look at the resumes, and you guys certainly don't have to do any of it anymore. You've, Not you've at put all. your time in, paid your dues, did it the right way. and, and, uh, and We want to pass it on so the right way will keep being done. Hey, we'll tell people where they can uh, keep up with you in the meantime, as Deep Absolutely. South is. Uh, very soon, my uh, website is going to be up. It will be uh, deepsouth.com that, that's getting put together right now. Uh, our first show should be should debut on the website all at the same time when it pops. You know, that was my initial plan, and I had to push it back. So I've still got the same plan. It just got pushed back a little bit. So our first show we're going to record on the uh, 29th. You guys are... are Invited to come down if you want to come down and check it out. Thank you so much. To be a part of it, love to have you. And if you want to come down and do some help us do some announcing, I could use a a, a, a tall, dark, and handsome ring announcer, man. Or Tim, one of the other. Or Tim. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever we can find. I'll wear wear whatever hat. I I know how it can be um, once once the wrestling show's getting close to the bell time when you look around and you're like, well, wait a minute, who's... Who's doing this and who's doing that? And so um, we've we've uh, we've had some really good experiences. And some I moments, love it but. so much. Well, hey Tim, this has been Tall Tales Tall Tales Pod. Where can they go to find us and all the information they the need? Best about place this? to go is our website, TallTalesPod.com. You're going to find all the links to our social media sites. We are on Facebook at Tall Tales 
Pod. We are also on Instagram as well. Um, you can find us there. Find you know bios, links uh, to previous podcasts. Of course, the podcast itself. Uh, if you're listening now, um, check it out on any of your favorite podcast listening sites. And we try to make it easy, or at least Jody does. I think Jody's covered every base. Uh, Jody, is there any base? That's not covered. Do we have a TikTok? We do not have TikTok. I don't dance. <laughs> that's right. And that's our problem. We need so, to learn how to dance. We got Maybe good that's... hair. Jody's hair hasn't moved in, in Yeah, decades. I'm one of those non-dancers myself. I'm man. not, man. Yeah. Yeah. Again, back to like I feel like I'm kind of becoming that old guy. Like I'm like, that's for the kids. I'm yeah. not getting in a TikTok I, I and could, dancing. Not yeah. even for my kids. Even I'm if not. I wasn't beat up and had arthritis, no. I wouldn't dance. No. <laughs> that's I've not, actually not my gig, man. never been a dancer. <laughs> yeah, not me and, and And when you've never been one, and then you start, everybody knows yeah. you're not one. Yeah, that's, that's why he doesn't dance. We'll look yeah. at him right there. <laughs> but you can find us everywhere else. Um, we make it really, really easy. And um, we encourage you to subscribe and go in and listen to previous podcasts. Absolutely. Stay plugged in to Tall hey, Tales. Check it out, please. We, we're always trying to get better and better. Thank you for being with us today. And who knows, maybe next time we'll, we'll do something else. And um, we're going to keep getting better and better. So with that said, I guess at this point, I don't know. Tim? No, we'll, we'll do better next time.